0: morning everyone how's everyone going i'm gonna move that there i'm really excited about momentum this year and i don't know what it is about it but this year feels like there's something a bit different about it i think for me it's 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 kind of feeling like we're giving out of an overflow of god's blessing an overflow of what god is already doing and it's so exciting to be able to do that isn't it You know, uh, there are years where sometimes it feels a bit like a test. It feels a bit like, hey, we need to, uh, um, you know, work our <laughs> our faith in a certain sense, but this year it just feels like God is doing something. And I also love that uh, right when we started eight years ago, that we call it momentum because it really is a declaration of what we believe will happen through this. Uh, I, I'm expecting to hear stories, and, and with our international minist- uh, missionaries that we're supporting, uh, we will definitely. Hear reports from them, and we'll share it with you about what uh, our contribution is helping uh, both in Cambodia and the Sotho. And so, we're extremely excited about it, but I'm also really excited because I feel like things are going to start to happen in this house. And I'm hoping that you're excited about that too, because. Um, there's something in the air. There's something in the air. Uh, God is doing something magnificent. And um, we're in our series, Maximizing My Capacity. And we started this um, uh, four weeks ago, really. And the first week, we, we talked about um, why our lives are necessary. We all need to have a purpose on this earth, right? Without that purpose, what are you doing? Well, you're waking up, you're eating, you're sleeping, and then you wake up, and then you eat, and then you work, and then you sleep, and then you, like, you just kind of go on to this 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 rat race, and you're in this maze of meaninglessness. Uh, but God has called our lives to have uh, a full meaning and purpose. He says that there are good works that He has prepared beforehand for us to do, and I love that Paul tells us um, that. That he knows that it's better to be with Jesus. That's gonna be awesome. But he knows as well, but it's necessary. God has necessarily called me here to help you. And that's what he wrote, he said. And I hope that, you know, that there's that sense of like, isn't that amazing? Uh, that, that we can actually put aside personal blessing because God is saying your life still matters and, and you can actually uh, do something that impacts other people's lives. That's the kind of meaning we're all meant to have. And in week two, we spoke about how uh, we are not just meant to be bringing our spiritual selves to God. But we bring all of ourselves, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Our body impacts our soul, our soul impacts our spirit, our spirit impacts our body. We are one united human being, uh, and, and, and we have all these parts of us that are not meant to be pulled apart and going, okay, God gets this bit, and then I get this bit. But rather, I give everything. I give everything to God. And when it comes to my capacity, it, it is very much to do with when I bring all of me to God, God is able to do crazy things with that. And then last week, we spoke about for God to be able to use us, we need to develop rhythms in our lives. We are athletes, uh, as Paul says, that are meant to be running a, sp- a specific race, and we're meant to discipline ourselves, and we're meant to, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Paul even writes, I beat my body in order that I can reach the prize uh, that God has set me for. Again, it's that whole idea of like, I'm doing something that's meaningful. I'm reaching for something that is meaningful. I need to discipline myself in order to run this race. And with all of that, one of the problems that comes into our mindset when it comes to our capacity and what we can do for God is that it's, it's, it can get a little bit imbalanced. Because sometimes we get to a place where we think that everything that matters is about what we are doing. And one of the problems with that mindset about doing is that it kind of runs contradictory to resting. And even in uh, the uh, psychological world, um, people have said that there's this issue where people see that work and rest are two separate realms that I work and I only rest in order to work, or uh, there's this sense of like, I, 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 I work and then I've earn my rest, rather than seeing that they are actually meant to be allies that come together. We need to actually understand that when last week I was speaking about the rhythms that we need to develop, it's not a rhythm of working harder and harder and harder and harder, being able to churn out more and more and more and more, and to become more and more productive, but really that is not the point. One uh, author writes this, he says, any routine of life that is unsustainable long-term Cannot be of God. He calls us to work, but He also calls us to rest in order to work most fruitfully. What sets us apart is this we rest. In order to work, we do not work in order to rest. We who believe the gospel are not living for the weekend, but for the end, for the fulfillment of God's promises, for the kingdom. In the meantime, we figure out rhythms of life that make fruitful labor sustainable fruitful labor, sustainable. Restfulness in our lives is not about being lazy, is not about uh, um, uh, stopping work uh, necessarily, but is about understanding that God's created us in a way that allows us to run a long race rather than uh, run a sprint and then collapse on the side. And this is what we need to realize, that your life over the course of the next 10 years is going to be far more uh, fruitful if you have a rhythm of sustainability rather than doing a heroic sprint that takes you out after a couple of months. What you can accomplish at the top of your game in two months, but at an unsustainable pace, will fall short of what you're able to do in the long term. As as I mentioned a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, when Beck and I became adoptive parents, what they wanted to see is that we are going to be around, as much as they could tell physically, that we would be here for 18 years of Sam's life. 18 years. Parenting is not a race for the the day. (laughs) You cannot see parenting as one day. You can't even see parenting as two days or even three days. If that's the case, I have failed miserably many times in Sam's short life. But because I know that the race is 18 years, I've got time to plan and to strategically think about how I'm going to do things and to make sure that I've got enough in the tank. Yesterday, Beck went for a women's conference and she had a great time and she was refreshed. And for one of the first times in a long time, I had Sam to myself for literally the whole day. And I love Sam, and he takes a lot out of me. He does. At the end of the day, I'm like, I need to find a babysitter. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Totally joking, but it was. It was intense. He's like, Daddy, see this. Daddy, do that. Let's do this. Let's go for that. And he wants to go, go, go. He's exploring the world. There's wonder in his heart. There's wonder in his eyes. And Dad's just looking for the coffee machine, (laughs) the cafe that will sustain me for the next two hours. But you know what? Yesterday was also a a once-in-a-while kind of a day where I invested fully and put my phone aside, and I wanted to spend the whole day with him. But if that's my everyday, by Wednesday I'm dead. I'll be like bedtime at three o'clock, Sam. I love you. You need to sleep. This is a sleep issue, Sam. For Dad, not you. But you need to sleep. We need to have sustainable rhythms that go the long term rather than the short term. And I say 18 years, but come on, I want Sam to be living a full life. And after 18, I still want to be involved in what he's doing. I want to be able to speak and to love him and to do all of those things. I need to sustain myself, and rest is the necessary part of the picture. And God has created us to need rest. In fact, God sets the example when it says in Exodus 31 verse 15, six days uh, shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. And then he goes on to say, like, back then it's because God set this rhythm. He created the world in six days and then he rested. Do you think that God rested on the seventh day because he got puffed out? Oh man, the, the world, the globe, forming all of that and all the continents and all the animals. But you know what? On the sixth day when I created that dang atom, it took it so much out of me, I need a whole day out. Did God actually puff out after six days? Or did He set a rhythm that we're meant to follow in our lives? And Jesus actually confirms this when He said in Mark 2, 27, 28, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We have had the Sabbath given to us as a day of rest and when we go against that in the old testament god was so big on it that he said whoever profanes the sabbath gets put to death he was protecting it for his nation and i think that because we think that the sabbath is for us i can do whatever i want with it and we forget that the rhythm was established because it's necessary for us you know when i was a younger man i thought that it was a badge of honor that i never felt stressed until i was sick until my body broke down and i needed to have a weekend out or, or more than a weekend or, or whatever time out I, I needed to have my I, I, would, I would literally fall sick and then i go oh okay yep yep i have been stressed and i used to wear it as a badge of honor i used to think i work so much harder than everyone else i'm so much more productive and and you know my boss is gonna so appreciate all that i do And then a few years ago, about five years ago, as I continued my studies, um, uh, 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 my lecturer who, who wrote his PhD on sustainable ministry, he pointed this out. He said that when your body feels sick, you've already been too stressed. You've been handling something that you shouldn't have been handling. And I had it as a badge of honor that me working so hard to the bone was something that God required was something that God approved of when I was actually killing myself. And there's many people who do not know how to handle stress and do not know how to rest, and it's actually killing them. In America, the stats are that 27% of adults are too stressed to do anything with their lives. A full quarter of this massive nation don't know how to handle stress because they don't know how to rest. But rest is not simply about stopping work or not working. Because do you know that 150 years ago, people worked way longer than we do today. 150 years ago, if a person from that time worked the style, the rhythm that they did, in January all the way to July, they would still work longer in terms of the number of hours than we do today. And yet we're going to the government and saying, four day work days, we're too stressed. There is a problem with rest in our systems. There's a problem because we have taken something that God hasn't intended for us and we put it as number one. We need to understand the rhythms of rest and we need to understand what rest actually is. You know, in the Old Testament, God so loved and know that we need rest that He actually created a principle of rest, not just for people but also for the land. In Leviticus 25, verses 2 to 7, this is what um, Moses said to, uh, well, God said to Moses to tell Israel. Says, so Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your fields, and for six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather in its fruits. But the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes or your, of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and your male and female slaves and your hired workers and the sojourner who lives with you and your cattle and the wild animals that, that your land. And all is you shall be for food. And I was thinking about this, and it is a true thing, uh, that that in farming, you don't just keep farming and, and pulling stuff out of land. It needs to rest, and in that rest period, it becomes more productive. But there's something in here that I think speaks into our human heart, the need to be productive, the need to produce, and it captures us. We need to produce something and it speaks into our identity and it speaks into our worth when i have this i will be all right when i have that it will be okay i need to save up for this because that's going to be able for me to show on instagram how well i'm going i need to save up fifty thousand dollars to travel to Wales so that people will know that i'm a good person that i'm actually doing all right it'll get me more likes It would get me more affirmation. See, the problem with productivity is that so often in our Western world, we think about productivity in terms of our identity. We don't rest because when we don't produce, we don't know who we are. And when people lose their jobs, what's one of the first things that happens? Yes, they lose their income and it's scary, but then they go like, what do I do myself? Who am I? We lose track of who we are because when we're not producing, we don't know who we are. And so for some people, even stopping to sleep is impossible because when you sleep, you think that you're not producing anything. There are some people that think that rest is somehow of the devil, that rest is scary, that to stop is to stop being, is to stop knowing whether I will be acceptable or not. See, maximizing our capacity isn't about pushing ourselves to the limit, but it's about discovering who we can be in God. It's not about producing more for the sake of knowing that God approves of me, but it's producing more because I get to partner with what God is doing, and that is what brings fulfillment and joy into my life. What we need to understand is that rest is not simply just stop stopping from production rest goes far deeper than this and i want to show this to you in matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30. this is jesus speaking to people and he says to them come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want to take this slowly and to consider each bit that Jesus is saying. He notices that people are burdened with a whole bunch of burdens. They are heavy laden. They aren't going well. And one of the things about being burdened and heavy laden is that is not actually an objective situation it's not like when we get to a certain stage suddenly i am burdened it is a subjective state where we consider the responsibilities of what we need to do and that is what keeps us heavy laden And that's why there are people that can do more, and yet they are not as heavily burdened. I mean, I don't mean to knock the next generation, but there's something that has happened in our culture where students are so stressed out that they are are failing to actually thrive in their minds and in their emotions and their bodies and beck and i we do have this other side business where we do some work with students and it's crazy how much things have ramped up the responsibility weighs heavily on people's minds on these kids minds and hearts it's not that the exams are getting harder It's that our perception of what it means has gotten heavier And so what does Jesus say? In order to rest, we need to find perspective. And where is perspective found? Perspective is found with him. And that's why he says, Come to me, all who are burdened, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now the Bible is also clear that we are meant to work. There's not a problem with the labour. Is that we labor without rest and that's the problem and so we come to Jesus when we have done our labor and we come to him and we find rest and he says and I will give you rest let me just put something forward for you how are you coming to Jesus weekly the whole point of the Sabbath is to come to Jesus the whole point of the Sabbath is to cease from the works and the rhythms of life so that you can actually be in God's presence and be with God's people. Do you know that back in the day, in the early church, when the church was first established, they went to the temple uh, because they were Jews uh, by culture. And so they went to the temple on a Saturday, which was the Sabbath day, that was the Sabbath. And so they went to the temple and then the, uh, Acts tells us that they went to the temple and then they met up in their homes. And, and that was the rhythm, that was a Saturday. But then what they would do is that they so wanted to start their week with God, that on the Sunday morning, which was the start of the week, they would then meet together as a church once again. That was their rhythm. Sunday morning was church day. And because they were farmers and they were workers, they would meet even before the crack of dawn because they started work at the crack of dawn, and they would meet before the crack of dawn because they valued starting their week together and meeting with God. Let me put something else forward here. The Sabbath in the Jewish mindset is the start of the week. The Saturday is is the first day of the week. The work week starts on the Sunday in the Jewish mindset. So you start the week with rest. You don't end the week with rest. You start the week with rest. And let me put something else forward for you. The Jewish day doesn't start at 12 a.m., It starts in the evening, the day before, at sunset. So what do you do as the first thing of the day? The first thing you do that day is that you finish work, you come together, you have a meal as a family, and you chat. Pastor Beck spoke about this a few months ago. What do you do in the chat? You kind of have a whinge about the day and you pray for each other. That's how they would do every start of the day. They'd lay their burdens down in front of each other. They encouraged each other. They filled up their bellies and then they would sleep. That's how you start your day. That's how you start your week. That's how you have your life. You start from a place of rest. You start from a place where you're full. You start from a place where the burdens have been laid down, where they're meant to be with Jesus. And so when, a while later, many years later, what happened is that uh, um, uh, Constantine, as the emperor of Rome, he got saved and he went, you know what, I want more people to get to church because that is going to be amazing. So what do you do? He changed Sunday to a day of rest. And that's why we have Saturday and Sunday as days of rest because he went, no more working on Sundays. You know why? Because it's going to benefit our nation if people get to church. So what do we do 2,000 years later? Let's work every day that we can. Let's have rhythms that tell me I can work whenever I want, however I want. We take rest from what gives us rest so that we can go to work. We go on holidays on the weekend when you're supposed to take your days off and take those days from your work in order to rest. Australia is crazy. <laughs> we get three weeks of paid leave. But we still try to match it with as many weekends as possible so that we can just disappear from the face of the earth because somehow that means more to us. Now, I'm not saying that you can't miss a Sunday because I'm not legalistic. What I'm saying, why are you missing the thing that's going to top you up? They say, oh, I hope you're working too hard, Pastor tonight. I need to have a rest. Get to church! Come to Him! Yeah? Why do we think that when I'm away from Jesus, I'll be more... Is it because you think Jesus is slave-mastering you, cracking the whip, telling you that you're not righteous enough, when He says to you that you should come confidently to Him when you are in need? every sunday as we start our weeks we should start with a sense of god i have got all these burdens take them because i don't know what to do with them i don't know if i can get through this next week if you don't give me the grace for it but we have this mindset i've got to do this i've got to show i've got to do this it's like come on jesus never asked you to do that jesus never asked you to work yourself to your dead Jesus asks us to have a rhythm of coming to Him, and He gives us rest. But here's the interesting thing. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the yoke is this thing that ties two animals together to work together. That's the whole point. See, Jesus doesn't ask you to work for Him as much as He asks you to work with Him. And so when jesus takes a rest on the sabbath you take a rest when god took a rest on the seventh day and said this is good we should take a rest because it is good yeah and so we take our yoke from him for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls you will find rest you will find rest for your souls if there's an unrest in your soul is because you're carrying the wrong yoke You're carrying the wrong yoke if there's an unease in your soul. Why do you think Jesus said that we should never have anxiety and worry as a portion of our lives? It's because when we do so, it shows us that we are taking on the wrong yoke. Rest is so much more than just uh, uh, physically resting. It's soul resting. It's knowing that I don't need to be worried or anxious about tomorrow. Why? Here's the clincher. Rest is about trust rest is about trust you don't yoke yourself to anything that you don't trust you don't put yourself in partnership with anything that you don't trust and some of us myself included especially when i was growing up had a trust issue taking on jesus's yoke how will i know that you're truly going to look after me how will i know that you're leading me in the right path you know i was on staff in my previous church when i realized that i didn't trust jesus I was doing all the right stuff, but in there, I had never stopped to consider. I told Jesus what he should do. You laugh. Come on, you hypocrites. You all do that. Jesus, if I do this, then you do this, okay? And Jesus, when when, when I've accomplished this and then you bring this in place, oh, it's going to be so good, God. Man, this kingdom that we are building together, it's going to be amazing. Jesus is going like... Drop that yoke, it's going to kill you. If I continued the way that I used to, I don't know if I would have burnt out already. I don't know if I could continue. My well would be dry, I would have nothing to give, and I would hate people. You know one thing about people who are unrested? We hate people. Because people always draw from us relationships take effort i love my son but he draws so much from me to be the best dad is not for me to just take 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 but for me to actually fill 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 and be able to give that's why i'm excited about this because i feel like as a church we're giving out of an overflow we're not giving something that we don't have we're giving out of an overflow and it's exciting so when you think about rest you need to think about trust because you can have time off and come back even more stressed than before. Psychologically speaking, many of us don't rest, we avoid. We run away because we just don't want to think about it. And then when we come back from our wonderful holidays, we come back to the mess and it hasn't changed. The situation remains the same. Do you know what? Sometimes I think that God allows it to get worse in our absence, because then we realize, I ain't got this. Sometimes I think that, uh, you know what, I'm just spitballing, it's not in the Bible. But sometimes I reckon that God does stuff to kind of bring us to the end of ourselves. God, you're so cruel. It's like, no, you're being cruel to yourself. That yoke is digging into your shoulders. It's causing your heart to bleed. Because you don't know how to Rest rest isn't about stopping alone rest is about actually being able to release and you don't release if you don't trust you don't take on the yoke of jesus see the yoke of jesus as much as he says is light and easy is not light and easy in comparison to some of the things that i want for myself he says love your enemies like oh that yoke so nice (laughs) bring it i love it it's so refreshing so bless those who curse you. Oh, yes, that's the good stuff. Put it next to Hawaii. Oh, man, oh, yeah, they look the same, don't they? No, sometimes what Jesus asks us can seem harder. But it's because of the trust element. You know, there was a while ago that God put this on my heart. There was a person who I had, had told of, and he had um, left our church. And um, and I was like, Ooh. Honestly, my heart was like, stuff you. I tried my best, and, and, and this is how you treat me? You know, this is, this is your gear, this is your dirt. But I didn't know that there was something in my heart until a while later. Another pastor was talking about how we release people. And I re- realized that by wanting reparation, I hadn't forgiven. And so, I did what this other pastor recommended for me to do, and I sent him a text appreciating everything that he had done in our church. Thinking that, oh man, I really don't want to do this. I said, I don't want this yoke, Jesus. This yoke isn't fitting. It feels like it just kind of sits in your shoulder, you know, and it kind of digs in. But that's because of me. That's not because the yoke was a problem. It's because I had a problem. And when I did that and I learned to release, there was a far more restedness. Before that, I kind of wanted to know whether he was going to fall down. I wanted to know whether something would happen to him that I could go see, it was under my protection in my house that he was flourishing. When he leaves, and I was like, how selfish, how broken. And you know part of that whole thing i realized that i didn't trust that god would deal with him and i felt that i needed to do something see rest is about trust is about when i trust that jesus will do and when i take a holiday i can trust that it's going to be okay you know honestly after learning some of these principles when beck and i go on holiday we love you guys but we don't think about you guys because we know that god is here for you. I'm not God to you. I can never be God to you. And if you worship me, you're stuffed. (laughs) Seriously. Bible tells us you become what you look at. Look at my hair, man. Do you want this? It's not going to end well. What ends well is when we put God as number one, and this is His church. This is His family. This is His body. This is His bride. He's going to do all right with you guys. We do think about you when we come back because we are meant to be stewards, and that's the whole point. But when I rest, I rest. I try to. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's difficult. But rest is... It's funny when you say rest is difficult. But rest is difficult because we don't actually let go of things in our heart. And so with our time, if we start every week by stopping and putting God first, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We put Him first every morning, every day, every week, every month, every year. We put God first. We seek Him in His presence, with His people. When two or three are gathered, the Bible gives us clear definition that the gathered body is something that is so precious to Jesus. When we do that, there is the ability for us to meet with Jesus and to find rest for our souls. Right now, this is a restful message for some people, because you are learning that you don't trust Jesus and it's hard in the moment but right now is restfulness because you're learning to let go of the things that you shouldn't be carrying when we think about our finances and giving and all of our resources what are the things that you hold on to because I realize that the more you hold on to stuff the less rest you get the more you hold on to that relationship the more is going to stick on your mind and on your heart in your emotions in your thoughts anyone ever had like a romantic relationship breakdown and you were still holding that person how how restful was that season it was the worst few days or weeks or months of your life why because you were holding on and you couldn't rest christianity has this open handedness why because we trust that is not our labor It's not my work that accomplishes anything, but it's God's hands with me. You know, the whole point of the yoke when it came to farming is that you put two animals that are exactly the same strength so that they would be able to hit in the same direction. If you put a weaker animal with a stronger animal, the stronger animal actually pulls both the cart as well as the weaker animal in the right direction and often kills the, the stronger animal. So when Jesus says that he's going to be yoked with us, he's taking on a pretty weak animal. But isn't it amazing that it still works out right because God is strong enough to carry both us and the mission that he has. And he's able to accomplish exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ever hope or imagine. Today as we give of our momentum offering, it is not about trying to do something as much as it is maybe in my mind is, is more about, hey God, I want to trust that you want to do something amazing. And it's for me to check in my heart, has my finances become a stumbling block in my life? Am I so worried about my finances that I'm not yoked to you anymore? You don't have to feel compelled to give, you don't have to give. This is not not about that because God loves a cheerful giver. But the whole point is this. Whatever I lay down, whatever I'm holding on to, I learn to lay down at Jesus' feet. And when I do that, that's when rest comes into my soul. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. If we can get the band up, and if I can invite uh, Beck up as well. In just a few moments we are going to be receiving our momentum offering and we've got these envelopes in every second seat so that you can symbolically be placing that in this box that we're going to have at the front and say god i want you to have this i pray that this is going to be something for you as a practice is going to be saying to god god do something amazing with this this is about us maximizing our capacity um because we are, we're partnering with God, and so I'm going to pray, and then um, the band will, will start playing some music as well, and, um, and then when you're ready, you can, you can give. Dear Jesus, I pray that we learn to rest in you. We pray that this offering is not one... <laughs> yep, Sam, it's the wrong moment, buddy. We pray that, God, that this is a moment for us to recalibrate. It's for us to invest where there are actual returns, in your kingdom, in your name, in your work, in what you are wanting to accomplish. And so I pray for every person that you just work on our hearts This is not about giving beyond our means. This is about honoring you with everything. This is about worshiping you. But this is also about saying, God, you're able to do. You're able to open doors that have been shut. You're able to bring salvation to lives that we love. You're able to bring transformation into our city and beyond. And so we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to give first and then everyone else, when you're ready, why don't you stand and come on down and place the envelope in the box. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.